0: It's a real pleasure to be back here in, um, in uh, Karakalinga again. Uh, I have been here for a number of camps, leadership camps and things, but the last time I was here for a Christmas camp was about 39 years ago um, when I left to go to New Zealand. So, um, really enjoying it, particularly enjoying the fact that I don't have to do anything apart from maybe give a talk. Don't have to do the rosters and all these sorts of things. Alright, we're going to turn to um, Isaiah 27 and verse 1. So, title of the thoughts uh, tonight are Here Be Dragons. And you could say that with a bit of a pirate twist. Um, I will explain a bit more about that particular saying. You may have heard of it. It sort of comes out of the medieval era, I would say. Here in Isaiah 27, verse 1, if you read the previous chapter and just the last few verses there. It's sort of talking about the time of the Lord's return, uh, part of the prophecy there and the things that the Lord is going to be doing when he brings destruction upon the world. And really it sort of flows into this. The chapter, of course, is uh, a later edition, chapter and verses. Um, but uh, it flows into this verse. And it says here, In that day uh, the Lord with his saw and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan the piercing serpent, even Leviathan that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. So this is really just uh, part of the prophecy referring to the time when the Lord comes back and he, he takes hold of the devil, the dragon, the great serpent, and uh, he punishes him. He puts him away, locks him away for a thousand years, and after that uh, he is cast into the lake of fire. And uh, it's interesting, the Lord talks about, uh, you know, there's no messing around when he does that. He says, the Lord will punish him with his sore and great and strong sore. So the devil, it will not be a fight. It will be simply a case of the might of God taking control of the situation. So it talks about the dragon that is in the sea. The word dragon sort of refers to a, a great serpent and it's used for a number of different things including maybe a crocodile in the scriptures and uh, just the thought is that um, the dragon represents the uh, the devil particularly and the sea represents the nations of the world peoples of the world, particularly the wicked as the scripture says, very unstable sort of a situation and often uh, that symbol is used in the various prophecies. Um, we're going to go to Revelation and, uh, chapter 13, picking out a few single verses here and there at the moment. In Revelation 20, it talks about so Jesus says, uh, uh, when he comes back, and the, and the angel there says he laid hand, he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Um, now, I, I mentioned the title of this talk is Here Be Dragons. Now, in the old uh, the old mariners' charts, before they really sort of explored the whole of the globe, apparently, or well, the thought is, I don't know how accurate it is. it is in history, the thought was that in the uncharted areas towards the edge of the map that they would have pictures of sea monsters and dragons and they would have a little note there saying, Here be dragons. The thought being that, you know, this is uncharted area and there are dangers here. This is, you know, there may be rocks here, there may be uh, sea monsters, all sorts of things. Um, in the the sense that they did that, they were, I suppose, speaking out of ignorance because they didn't know what was there and the imaginations of their heart were sort of concocting all sorts of situations and maybe falling off the end of the earth if you travelled too far. But I want to sort of liken that thought to, um, you know, we have uncharted territory. I want to talk about unscriptured territory, and when we launch off uh, out of the Scriptures into territory which is not charted and not, not outlined by the Scriptures that we can run into situations where indeed here be dragons, here's where the devils um, his thoughts and his uh, words come into the situation. So we read there in Revelation 13 verse 11 just one of the uh, the amazing beasts that it talks about and I just want to take the principle from this particular one down in verse 11. Uh, This is the second beast that had horns like a lamb. And it says, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. So this is a situation where you you realise there's something that looks good and something that looks like the sheep of the Lord and uh, something that looks like the lamb, Jesus Christ, who is also mentioned in the book of Revelation. So he had the appearance of being a sheep or the lamb, or Christ like, um, but along with that, when he opened his mouth, he gave it away and he spoke as a dragon. And whether there was a fire coming out of his mouth or whatever, it certainly was something that was dangerous. And uh, just this particular principle, I suppose, is what I want to talk about. Um, we had a couple of years ago in Christchurch, we now and again, we're in a shopping centre, we've got a, a hall there and uh, now and again we get people coming in off the streets and uh, want to check us out from the local area. We had a, a, a little elderly lady uh, come along and she was very churchy and wearing a church hat and she was immaculately dressed um, and she had been going to church all her life in different places. She used to be a doctor. She was quite an elderly lady in her 80s. Uh, she used to be a doctor. She had worked... Uh, gone over to Africa and worked there with many people. She'd worked with a lot of uh, Catholic nuns and and all sorts of people from different groups. And she was all about um, being a pacifist, and she was, she was the most aggressive pacifist, though, that I've ever come across. And uh, she was all about uh, unity and unifying everybody, and she just didn't want to fight with anybody, But <laughs> she didn't have much trouble with us. We spent just about every meeting she would pretty much, you know, latch on to somebody, or we'd latch on to her, and we'd have a, a half hour or an hour long ding dong argument. Basically, um, she didn't want. She wanted to be there. She loved listening to some of the talks, um, but she um, and she loved the atmosphere and the people. But she did not want to receive the Holy Spirit. As far as she was concerned, she had the Holy Spirit. She's been going to church all her life and she didn't want the speaking in tongues. So she basically wouldn't come to the Sunday morning meeting where we operated the gifts, or the Wednesday night meeting where we operated the gifts, or the Sunday afternoon meeting when we'd have some Bible studies and she liked to come along. Anyway, one day she, she got very frustrated with us. One day she said, Oh, I just I can't get around you people. She said, uh, You just keep quoting scriptures. So um, anyway, one day she brought along this book and she said, now I want you to read this particular chapter here, and uh, she said it's a book I've started reading. And she said, "Can't you can't you see what he's saying here?" So I had a look at the book. It was uh, all about bringing unity to the churches, and a uh, bit of a giveaway at the top. It had uh, personally blessed by the the recent pope. Um, and uh, anyway, so I had a look at this book and I read the couple of paragraphs she looked at there. And it was all the sort of stuff that could have come from our platform. You know, if we were just generally talking about the Holy Spirit, quoting the Apostle Paul about the Holy Spirit, various phrases that are used there, and it was quote after quote after quote. It was just all good general stuff about the Holy Spirit. But uh, I I got hold of the book and I flicked back to the table of contents and thought I'd have a look at the contents. And I got right through, All looked like that all the way through, except you got to the second to last chapter and it was about the conclusion of the whole matter, how we bring unity, and that was through our, our Mother in Heaven, Mary. And so you read that, and it was a total abomination. It was all about sort of bringing all the churches under Mary and uh, worshipping Mary and uh, all the incredible stuff they should bring together there. So you have all this scriptural stuff to begin with, which looks like the lamb, which looks sheep sort of stuff, uh, but then at the end you see the dragon speaking. And it's a case of, you know, you get to that last chapter there and here be dragons. Um, we'll go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. When I pointed that out to her, uh, she realised that that wasn't right um, but uh, she said, oh, I haven't read that far. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the trouble, of course. People sort of go on first impressions. Uh, Matthew seven and verse fifteen, Jesus made a similar um, comment to the one we see there in Revelation, and he said, "Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves." And again, often when you read, you know, the Book of Revelation or some of the prophecies or other things like this, you sort of get a, uh, you get these. Um, visions of dragons and you get these visions of incredible monsters and horrible beasts which trample, uh, trample others on the foot and uh, rend with uh, tooth and claw and this sort of thing and you think is, is God being over the top when he describes uh, different groups and people in the world under these particular symbols the reality is that the Lord sees it clearly and sometimes we don't see it clearly you know our our um, Basic nature, I suppose, human nature, as this particular lady was to to see everything as she saw everybody as being nice, and everybody was Christian, and everybody was on the Lord's side, and everybody should be unified. Um, but maybe didn't see as as Jesus saw that there are wolves in sheep's clothing, and uh, something, of course, we need to be aware of. Just flick over in Matthew 10 and verse 16. Another statement of Jesus along similar lines. In verse 16, it says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So that's actually interesting to think about that. That's how Jesus sees our situation. You know, when we we go out into the world and sometimes we we sort of normalise things in our minds and we don't always see the difference very clearly. And we start to see other people and just the world situation generally as just, you know, an extension of the people that we meet when we're at the, uh, the meetings. And, uh, we see it as all being quite normal. But again, the Lord says, no, I've, I've put you as sheep in the midst of wolves. So in other words, it's a dangerous situation. We need to see that clearly. We need to recognize God, God, God isn't exaggerating when he says there's dragons out there. And there's monsters out there, and there's wolves out there. We have to be aware of it, and we have to see the difference. Um, Brian Pennington was up here, and he was talking about uh, um, being at camp, and uh, he mentioned that you know we first came along and came to camp. It was fantastic, and then he had to go back into town at the end of camp, and uh, I think pick up something from the pharmacy in Hindley Street. And um, <coughs> I haven't been here for a long time, but I assume it's hasn't changed all that much Um, but it was you know a totally different world. It was going from something very righteous, very wonderful into something very wicked and he could just really see the the change there. I remember when we used to, uh, my family used to be coming to the camps here and we had a wonderful time and uh, we would get in the car to go back after camp, you'd hit the first traffic lights and you'd be back into it. It was just a horrible feeling to go back into the world and just to recognise it was not like being amongst the Lord's people and uh, that, that of course has not changed. Um, Mark 13, look over there quickly and verse 1, interesting situation where the disciples um, had Jesus there in Jerusalem and of course the temple area at that time had been uh, built up by Herod and all the wonderful Roman buildings and things. Um, And it says, As he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Just marvelling at the wonderful buildings and the works, the complex and all that was there. And the glory that was there. In verse 2, Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And it's interesting, you know, that when we look back at the old civilizations, which the Lord describes in the book of Daniel as idolatrous places and as places that are like wild animals and monsters and, and beasts. And um, when the world looks at Greece and Rome and all the wonders and, again, the temple here and all this sort of thing, they think of the wonders of civilization, the technology and, the you know, the blessings and... And all the stability that it brought, you know, the prosperity and everything else and, and, uh, along with all the, uh, the other things, of course. But, um, people maybe focus on that. But when the Lord looked at it, what he saw was this is all coming down and this is going to be absolutely raised to the ground. It was something that had to happen because of, of course, as we know by this time, Jesus had also said that, uh, you know, this house was to be the house of prayer for all nations. But he said, but you've made it a den of thieves. And uh, so the Lord knew, and of course, the New Testament, as Pastor Jock was saying last night, the New Testament was coming in, the old had to go. It was new wine into new wineskins. There had to be a complete transformation. And all of that was to go. But again, it's, it's uh, like the disciples here. You know, we've got to be aware that we're not looking at all the glory of, of, of mankind. We can slip into that with this world as well. We can look at the technology and we can look at the wonders. And there's, there's no doubt there's wonderful things that you know are created and made and luxuries and things that help in some ways. But the Lord doesn't see that when He looks at this world. He sees the spiritual side of it. He looks at it. And he says, "Here be dragons." You know, here are some evil things. And when you hear the words that are spoken and the things that are done, it's, it gives it away because it's not according to the word of God. And again, when we think about what the Lord says in the book of Daniel, and he talks about the, the great image, the great idol which represents the kingdoms of man. When the stone kingdom, when Jesus Christ comes, it says it will grind that to powder. It will fall upon it, crush it to powder, as it, as it says there in the Hebrew and it will be blown away on the wind. Total transformation. We saw a great transformation at the, the entrance into the New Testament. It was more of a spiritual transformation, but the Lord is saying, you know, when he comes back, there's going to be a complete and utter change, just like every stone here uh, being thrown down. Who knows what it's going to be like, but it's, it's something that we probably can't possibly imagine, the incredible change that's going to come. So, the glory of man, it's all coming down. I'll just finish in um, Matthew 16, verse 15. Um, this is a couple of things that uh, the Apostle Peter said, which we know quite well this story. Uh, Jesus was talking to them and uh, asking who people said he was. Uh, they said, some say that you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Down in verse 15, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. This is revelation from the Lord. This is scripture territory. This is good stuff. He had given the right answer. He had given the answer which was according to the word of God. This was the Son of God. This was the Christ. And he had recognised that point. And uh, unfortunately, though, we go down a few verses and we don't know exactly um, how much longer it was. might have been a minute, might have been uh, a month. It doesn't actually matter. Uh, down in verse 21, um, it says there, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So speaking of the... The, the very hard things he was going to have to go through, but the very important things, uh, according to the word and the prophecy and the plan of God. In verse uh, 22 there it says, Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, and thou art an offence unto me, for thou savourest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And so now we have. The same friend, if you like, of Jesus Christ, who had had this incredible revelation from the Lord, and was, you know, he was sort of on on Cloud Nine at that particular time, the blessing of the Lord, the revelation of the Lord. But as soon as he got into unscriptured territory, uh, you know, even it was a short while later, he spake, and it was the words of the dragon. And that's exactly what Jesus recognized. He didn't look at Peter and think, this is my friend. Uh, he he got it right just a few days ago. Uh, he just saw what was being spoken there. Saw that even though it was with good intentions, and uh, you know, Peter was thought he was doing the right thing there. These words were not of God, and uh, the Lord knew. Here be dragons, you know. And he immediately jumped on Peter for that particular point. And I suppose um, we have to again be the sort of people that recognise. We spend a lot of our time, of course. Talking about the Spirit of Christ. Uh, We're talking about uh, Jesus Christ, we're talking about the Spirit that He came to give, talking about the Holy Spirit that He has given to us for salvation. We spend a lot of time on that, and we spend a lot of time on the the other side of the Spirit of Christ, which is His character and His nature and how to live um, and be led of the Spirit. Um, But as well as recognizing the true Spirit of Christ, there's the other side of it and that's to recognise the true spirit of the Antichrist. So we've got to recognise what is of God and what is of the dragon. And we've got to be able to listen so that, you know, we just don't look at the person particularly. And, you know, if we have a friend that has maybe for many years has been talking about, you know, the things of God and got it right like Peter did, but then goes off into uncharted, unscriptured territory and begins to say things which are not of God, here be dragons. Here we watch out. Here be rocks. We need to identify it so that we can stay safe and uh, be there when the Lord returns. More people say.